Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmies and the Joes. I'm Mitch Mason, introducing this episode before we get to our very special guest. Uh, he is a guy that knows the Big 12 footprint like the back of his hand and uh, wanted to bring my buddy Austin Taylor on to talk a little bit about the state of the Big 12 with all the headlines going on right now with everything involving Texas and the move to bring in new schools as Texas and Oklahoma leave. I wanted to get a guy who is, you know, an expert really in the Big 12 on to talk about that and to give his perspective on all of the new happenings around the conference. So uh, anyway, with all of that being said, we can go ahead and get into today's episode. Do want to remind you, of course, head on over to our social channels at 3TechPod on Instagram and Twitter. Give us a follow. And also, if you would leave us a five-star review on Spotify and comment that you did, uh, we'd love to shout you out for that. Or if you would leave us a rating on Apple, that would go a long way as well. But without any further ado, Let's get into today's episode with Austin Taylor. All right, Austin, before we jump into State of Big 12, Texas recruiting, uh, first and foremost, introduce yourself to the people. You and I obviously go back a little ways and uh, you know, would, would love for the audience to, to just get to know Austin Taylor. Yeah, I, uh, I currently uh, I coach uh, football, baseball, and basketball at Prestonwood Christian uh, Academy here in Plano. Um, before my time here, I was kind of in the sports information, uh, director world that, that you and I were both in dating back to, uh, Oklahoma state, uh, where I was an undergrad student, uh, moving, uh, across to the university of Texas upon, uh, my graduation from there. And then, uh, led that, uh, led me to DBU and, uh, was in the baseball, basketball, volleyball, you name it, uh, sections of those sports in the sports information role. So, uh, coaching and teaching at Prestonwood, and uh, really enjoying it right now. Yeah, and just uh, just won a championship in baseball this last season, did you not? Yeah, six A's, uh, six A D one state champions uh, baseball. A lot of a lot of awesome kids um, in the group. We got Trenton Shaw, uh, Oklahoma State commit, uh, looking to get his name called in the coming weeks in the major league draft. So that's that's super exciting, and uh, have some other Division One commits coming back, so it's a it's a good good pipeline led by Coach Valade, a uh, great guy, and uh, yeah, it's it's been awesome. Well, dude, that's great. It's it's been great, uh, you know, staying connected with you since uh, we worked back at, at DBU together, and you know, very quickly, uh, one of the things that, that I learned about you is that you know you are uh, very familiar with the Big Twelve footprint. Obviously, you, you mentioned your bona fides, Oklahoma State and Texas, on your resume. Um, you know, as we kind of look at, at the, the landscape of Big 12 football, there's a lot going on, right? Uh, a new um, head of leadership, a new commissioner coming into the Big 12 uh, relatively soon. You've got everything happening with the conference realignment, UCF, Cincinnati, BYU, Houston getting ready to come in. Uh, but 
the top headline on everybody's list right now is the University of Texas, what they're doing in recruiting. They just landed three five stars in a calendar week, uh, obviously headlined by Arch Manning. Uh, tell me, uh, kind of as you've watched this unfold with ties to not only Texas, but uh, Oklahoma State as well, like what has been kind of the key to Texas's success, not really even just this year, but they're always so good at making early splashes in the recruiting cycle. You know, with this coaching staff, with Sarkeesian coming in, what's really been their key to success? What What is the most attractive thing about this Texas Longhorns program right now? Yeah, I think, you know, dating back to, to the better half of a decade is the thing that Texas has lacked over the last couple of years, just consistency um, with, with Charlie Strong's staff not not panning out and then moving into Tom Herman's outside of his one anomaly year that ended with a sugar bowl, just not a lot of consistency. Um, I think Sam Ellinger had three or four OCs in his time there. Um, and I think that's something that Steve Sarkeesian is selling, obviously, you know, landing Arch Manning is, is huge. And I think you've seen the direct effects of that this week, you know, and, and landing John Tate cook today and um, Derek Williams out of Louisiana. I think consistency and just, you know, continuity of a, of a solid staff um, and no disrespect to the other staffs that were, that were at Texas in the past, but, you know, you had some names that were, you know, either taken directly from the high school ranks to go coach inside receivers, or, you know, you go take a quarterback coach that, you know, came from a junior varsity high school program. And, and surprisingly enough, that's what Texas has had. Um, I think, you know, guys like Kyle Flood, uh, proven winner and recruiter, offensive line coach from the University of Alabama, Brennan Marion, wide receivers coach, you know, directly developed uh, Jordan Addison, the Belidnikoff winner this past year. So I think the recruits can see that consistency is coming. Now it's on them to deliver and develop. Um, that's something that, that Texas has not done a very good job of in the past. As you can see last year, no draft picks um, is not a good look for the University of Texas under any circumstance, but I think this continuity and consistency of this staff, what what could be, is uh, very attractive right now. I think, you know, obviously the arch effect is is kind of what you're seeing uh, transpire before our eyes. I think nine commits in the last 10 days, which, you know, it's, it's not even July yet. So uh, they're riding the momentum right now. We'll see how many of these kids stick, um, but it's it's trending in the right direction for Texas at the moment. It's unreal what they've done. I mean, it feels like every single time I open up, my phone, there's a new update as far as Texas recruiting goes. You mentioned John Tay Cook, the five-star wide receiver who committed the day of recording this, uh, June 29th from DeSoto, Texas. That's a big win directly over, obviously, the in-state rival, Texas A&M. Uh, Jimbo Fisher at one point had been thought to be leading for John Tay Cook, and then things flipped very, very quickly. Um you know, there's there's a number of big in-state battles left to to take place. I think none bigger than Anthony Hill, the uh, Denton Ryan linebacker, number one linebacker in the country, just before we hit record, narrowed down his final two schools to the University of Texas and Texas A&M. With Texas going to the SEC in the next couple of years, whether it's tw- uh, 2024, 2025, how excited are you to see the juice be pumped back into this rivalry, right? I mean, Texas and A&M have, have bumped heads over the last couple of years a couple of times in head-to-head recruiting battles, but that was honestly one of the, the weird anomalies is the last couple of years, it, it didn't feel like it was the Longhorns versus the Aggies for a ton of in-state kids. 
is that going to return as soon as Texas? Well, I mean, really starting now with, with Arch Manning committing. I think so. You know, I think Anthony Hill is, is a big domino, you know, obviously in momentum to whatever school, you know, is, is in the running and is going to receive his talents. I think, you know, if he ends up committing to the Longhorns, I think you see even more, you know, players commit and there, mm-hmm. there is a legitimate chance for the number one overall class, which is what A&M had last year. I think if you see him go to Texas A&M and then add, you know, a David Hicks who, who is trending the way of the Aggies right now, I think it can be the exact same domino that way. So um, obviously two big names there. Um, I think, you know, when, when it comes to just playing each other, I think that's something that fans are just craving. Um, I know last week in Omaha, you know, A&M got the best of the Longhorns and it, it left a, a tough taste in Longhorns fans' mouths because nobody knows when the next time those two are going to meet on the diamond other than potentially a, a Tuesday midweek game, which yeah. obviously doesn't hold much weight. Um, but I think everybody's just dying for that three-game series in College Station or they're dying for the home and away every year, whether it be at Kyle Field or DKR. You know, it's it's really the bragging rights for that calendar year. And then mm-hmm. you, you strap them up and do it again next year. I think that's something that a lot of fans would be lying to you if they said they did not miss that. Um, and I think players at both schools are, are ready for that as well. It's been it's been too long. College football is better uh, with the Lone Star rivalry, you know, of those two, those two teams going at it. Um, you know, I know A&M fans still have a, a tough taste in their stomach from the Justin Tucker kick, and that was, you know, 10 years ago. So um, I think everybody's just ready to get those two back on the field. Um, It's going to be great, great for the sport, great for all sports. I mean, the environment in Omaha last week, I was there and um, it it was, it was awesome. I mean, pure hatred for one another. And I I think there's a respect there obviously, but um, you know, the fans were, were very excited to get a shot at their rival. And I think it's something that uh, it just needs to happen every year. It's, it's way long overdue. The coaches are on board. I think the administration is on board now. I mean, they don't really have a choice not to be, Um, But it's it's exciting. I don't know whether that'll be 2025 or even as soon as next year, but it'll be good for the sport. I I think both teams will get their wins. Both teams will have their losses. But Mm -hmm. um, now that A&M is really coming coming into their their selves, especially this past year, um, it'll make it super competitive and uh, it'll be anybody's ballgame any year. Yeah, it's what makes this game of college football so crazy and so much fun. Right. Um, It's just the rivalry. And I think that element of, of mutual respect is, you know, important, right? That I think, honestly, I think that's what makes the rivalry great. Whether you're talking about a or Texas or, or somebody else, yeah, you're always going to, you know, hate your rival. And, and for some people, they legitimately hate their rival. Like that is a raw emotion that they feel. For, for people like me and you, I think that, you know, have worked in the college sports realm, it's that respect right that that love to hate but also you can look across the way and say hey yeah that's you know that's a dang good program that they that they're running over there and it's awesome when we beat them and it's frustrating as heck when we when we lose to them uh, as well so i'm right there with you i can't wait for that to come back it'll be must see tv um you know 2024 2025 whenever that does uh, kick off coming back to the longhorns for for 2022 this season now not not a sloppy recruiting class last season either, right? I mean, they certainly were were overshadowed by uh, you know Texas A and M and the recruiting class that they reeled in, but a, a very very solid class that Sark brings in in his first full off season. And I know that that five and seven year was disappointing for the Longhorns as it would be for any flagship program. 
what what do you see as a realistic possibility for Texas this year in in 2022? Oklahoma seems to maybe be ready to take a step back, but you've got Oklahoma State and Baylor that just played for the Big 12 championship game. Baylor wins a Sugar Bowl. Oklahoma State wins a, a Fiesta Bowl. Where does Texas slot in in the present Big 12? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you look at past Texas teams picked high and you can point to some pieces here and there. Um, but I think every Texas fan would tell you they've been burned one too many times by the the dreaded too high preseason ranking. Um, I think what makes this team different, uh, to, to give my honest prediction, I, I think I think eight wins, nine wins maybe is, is realistic. Um, I, I just think jumping four wins is is a dramatic improvement, especially in college football. Um, with, you know, the, the teams that are coming back, Baylor has a good amount coming back. Oklahoma State is fresh off of a Fiesta Bowl win over Notre Dame, returning nearly all of their offense. Um, I, I think they're, you know, sneaky good every year, but I think they're trending out of the sneaky good to just good um, every year. You mm-hmm. can expect Mike Gundy's program to to have 10 wins year in and year out. Um, and he does it with with less talented players coming out of high school. I think it's just a credit to him and his staff, uh, the, the continuity and consistency that they've built in Stillwater, even dating back to my time there as an undergrad, has, has been remarkable, truly. Um, I don't see them going anywhere. Um, however, I do think, you know, Steve Sarkeesian comes into year two with with some key toys um, at his disposal. I think Quinn Ewers at quarterback. I think Bijan Robinson at, at running back. Uh, with Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington at receiver, not to mention Alabama transfer Ajay Hall and Jaleel Billingsley, uh, guys that he's very familiar with already, um, uh, along with, you know, a pair of five-star top five offensive linemen and Devin Campbell and Kelvin Banks that that are expected to be thrown into the fire rather quickly. Um, th- there is pressure uh, t- to win this year, obviously. I-, I think another five and seven season would not go well uh, under Chris Delconi's watch. Uh, for Sark, uh, but I think realistically, eight or nine wins. Anything else over over that is house money. Um, these kids are still young. I mean, Quinn Ewers is you know 19 years old, and he hasn't played football in two years, so uh, we don't know what he will be. Uh, we know his talent is his projectiles are off the roof, off the charts. But um, they were third worst in the Big 12 in total defense a year ago. They were the fourth worst in allowing 36 points a game. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll see where this unit is, you know, in week two when they line up against Alabama. That'll be a great benchmark for the rest of the year. Um, I think it's a house money game for them. I think the Vegas line right now is 17 or something. It's, it's pretty high. Um, if they get out of that game healthy uh, and respectable, um, I think the Longhorns will, will be okay. Um, I don't see five and seven happening again, uh, just, just with the toys that Sark has to play with and then a, a continuity of a defense that uh, really can't get worse uh, than it was last year. That's a good point. And that's that's really my only concern for Texas. You mentioned the the offensive line. Um, not a lot of experience coming back, but you do have two of the best interior offensive linemen in the country uh, that committed to the Longhorns and, and Banks and Campbell. So, you know, how quickly they can get up to speed, I think will go a long way to determining, you know, how effective that offense can be. Uh, Bijan Robinson, I I don't think there's a better running back in the country and, and the Heisman hype for him is, is well-deserved. Um, my question for the Longhorns is what, what that defense is going to look like. You're right. It really can't get worse than it was a season ago. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, anyone projecting Texas to go five and seven again or, or something worse, like there, that's just ignorant, right? I mean, nobody could have seen Texas's five and seven record last season coming. That was truly a compilation of all the wrong things happening at the wrong times for the Longhorns. 
Um, you mentioned that Alabama game as, you know, kind of playing with house money. What, what can tech, I mean, they're going to go in looking to win that football game, right? There, there's no way that the 40 acres is going to be accepting that penciling that in as a loss. That's just not going to happen. What specifically will you be looking to see from Texas against, you know, a team that I think is likely my national title favorite? Yeah, I think, I think Steve Sarkeesian should go in there expecting, you know, just for his team to fight. Um, I know that that sounds very cliche. You know, what do you mean? You're not going to fight. I think we saw in Fayetteville last year, a team that, you know, kind of got punched in the mouth um, Mm -hmm. playing Arkansas and really never recovered. I mean, after, after the first first quarter, it was a bunch of guys just kind of going through the motions. And um, I know as as Texas fans have been, you know, all over message boards and social media, that that was discouraging, um, especially in Sark's, you know, second or third game, you know, being a, a head coach of Texas uh, for his team to just look so out of it and just so, you know, disinterested, honestly, um, and playing in a tough SEC road environment after 15 minutes of football you would have thought that the score was, you know, 70 to nothing. And frankly, they were only down by 10 points. Right. Um, so I think, you know, they're looking for for toughness, just that fight. I mean, if you've ever seen Nick Saban coach in person, it's it's something to behold. He has those guys just so locked in and so dialed in. And he knows your every move. Um, he knows Sark's every move. I mean, he mentored him for a couple years there, obviously, in, in Alabama. And uh, it'll, it'll be a good measuring stick. I think Texas has the talent to hang around for a little bit. Um, but my gut is just telling me, you know, with a team as experienced and as big and strong and fast as Alabama, it, it could get out of hand. Um, you know, they, they have a returning Heisman winner quarterback. They have Jameer Gibbs coming in, who is one of the best, you know, running backs in the country, um, as well as Jermaine Burton, who was arguably Georgia's best wide receiver last year, you know, at their disposal, just to throw a go route whenever they want to. So um, it'll be tough. Uh, but I, I look for Texas to keep it close at the beginning. Um, I, I like I like Bama pulling away late. I would probably. Uh, pick Bama to cover that game, that 17-point spread, I think is what, what Vegas has it at right now. Mm-hmm. But um, things could change. You never know. I mean, Texas went toe-to-toe and down to the last minute against, you know, Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers. That was one of the best teams we've ever seen in college football. And Texas fans will tell you they were a Keontae Ingram wide-open touchdown in the end zone away from winning that game or a fourth and 18 lob back foot you know, pylon ball that Joe Burrow put right on the money to Jamar Chase. So, um, you know, you can look at that both ways. Uh, Texas usually plays up to opponents that are better than them on paper, um, but we'll see. It'll be a a must-watch game. Uh, I feel sorry for those fans that are going to be sitting in a 105-degree heat at 11 a.m. in Austin, Texas. Yeah, gosh, that's going to be – that's going to be tough. I mean, certainly worth the the price of admission, but they're going to suffer for it, no doubt. Um, all right, well, so let's move away from Texas and into the rest of the Big 12. You know, you did your undergrad at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State was, you know, oh so close to making the, the playoff last year. You know, you and I were texting through that entire season at just everything that Oklahoma State kept doing right last season to, to get on the cusp of, of program history, right? At the same time, they lost quite a bit this last offseason, specifically on the defensive side. And you mentioned it earlier. Gundy is one of those coaches that does more with less. And I don't mean that in a demeaning way at all, but just lower rated recruits, right? He's not bringing in the five stars that these larger programs are. But yet, you can almost set your watch to it. Gundy winning 10 games in a season. Where do you see Oklahoma State uh, this season in the Big 12, Spencer Sanders coming back a uh, quarterback should help a lot. 
Yeah, I think, you know, Oklahoma State is just is kind of a pillar of consistency. I mean, like you said, the, the last decade, I mean, there were some years, two, three, four, five years even ago, post Mason Rudolph, where, you know, myself as a fan and a graduate, you know, just think, oh, my gosh, this is the year we're not going to make a bowl. And then we fast forward to January and we're, you know, we're playing Notre Dame or, or we're in the Big 12 championship, you know, in Norman or something like mm-hmm. that. I think until I'm proven otherwise, it's really hard to not say they're they're going to win eight, nine, ten games. I, I predicted them uh, earlier, you know, this year in my way too early rankings is probably going nine and three. Uh, statistically, the top defense in college football last year, and they lost yeah. Jim Knowles, their defensive coordinator, to the Buckeyes uh, at Ohio State. Um, they lost everybody in their secondary, and they lost three linebackers, including Malcolm Rodriguez, who led the Big Twelve in sacks uh, at the linebacker position. So. Definitely a lot to uh, a lot to replace um, offensively. I like Spencer Sanders. Uh, he he is what he is at this point. He, he's he's going to throw his obligatory probably two or three interceptions a game, uh, but that might come with 450 yards through the air um, yeah. and in a solid running game. Uh, Jalen Warren, last year the grad transfer from Utah State was was I mean nothing shy of amazing. Kind of came into Stillwater with zero expectations. Uh, we had a couple guys go down, LD Brown um, and Dominic Richardson. And here's this guy that's five foot seven, 220 pounds, and he rushes for 250 yards and basically walks off Boise State on the blue turf. So yep. that was his coming out party. Um, unfortunately, wasn't available for the Notre Dame game uh, or the Baylor game. Luckily, uh, the Pokes got it done um, in the Fiesta Bowl there in Glendale. Would have loved to have him on fourth and inches against the Baylor Bears and Jerry World, but uh, it's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> I think the FPI gives the Pokes a, a 14% chance at winning the Big 12 this season. I, I think that's very low. Um, if you were a yeah. betting man, I would I would really, really consider placing something on those odds. Um, third best behind OU in Texas, but uh, they just seem to find a way. Um, they seem to find a way late getting the key stop. Uh, a, a big portion of that was the Oklahoma game last year. I mean, Caleb Williams leading OU right down the field with 30 seconds left. And who would have thought that Thomas Harper is going to come over over the edge and get a sack to basically walk that game off? I mean, that's not the Oklahoma State that you or I certainly grew up with, a, a walk-off defensive stand to win a ball game. But, uh, yeah, that defense is uh, is going to be missed. It'll be very interesting to see how Mike and uh, the staff kind of recruit and, uh, you know, re- rebuild, uh, essentially. I-, I wouldn't consider it a reloading phase because we haven't seen a defense that good. Um, mm-hmm. There are some pieces, some some guys that got some playing time, um, but, you know, I think seven or eight starters from last year are now officially gone. So it'll be yeah. very interesting, but I-, I would I would expect Oklahoma State to be right there in the mix. Yeah, I, you know, I look at their schedule. Um, nothing scary from a non-conference standpoint. Arizona State comes to town on September the 10th. I mean, they're a mess. Uh, you know, who knows if Emory Jones can even, you know, pilot a functioning offense for the for the Sun Devils. So I don't think you have anything to worry about there. I mean, the only games of quote-unquote concern are at Baylor October 1st, home against Texas on the 22nd, and then uh, Bedlam uh, in Norman on, on November 19th. So, you know – you got to figure that they're they've got a really really good chance to win ten games again this season if that defense can can play uh, you know at least somewhat close to what we saw last year. Derek Mason comes in as the defensive coordinator. He's a guy that I really like running that three four scheme. So I'm hoping he fits really well in Stillwater. Obviously, it it sucks to lose Jim Knowles, and you know that was uh, certainly the 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 mastermind behind that defense. But I certainly have a a, a lot of hope uh, for the Pokes this season when we look. 
towards kind of the future of the Big 12 is, is Texas and Oklahoma exit stage right for the SEC, and you bring four new schools, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU into the mix. Do you, How would you describe the new look Big 12? You know, people have thrown around that, oh, well, maybe the Big 12 is not a Power 5 conference, and I think that's absolutely ludicrous when you look at the quality of programs that are coming in. Sure, are you losing, you know, the flagship programs in Texas and Oklahoma? Of course. But when you look at the quality that you're getting from these four other programs, it's not like they're, you know, teams that are just moving over from Conference USA, right? I mean, Houston is poised to break out. The other three have, you know, made a lot of national noise in the last several years and are recruiting at a level that we've never seen those programs recruit at. Who takes the lead in the new Big 12? Yeah, I think, you know, looking at it from a football perspective, I mean, Cincinnati was a playoff team, you know, less than 12 months ago. I mean, that that speaks in and of itself. BYU is, is a consistent 10-game-a-year winner uh, program. UCF has had, you know, New York Six experience um, – or New Year Six, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Houston, you know, with Dan Holgerson and what they've, what they've been building, I mean, they're, they're right there on the, on the cusp, right? Um, it, it's so tough. Uh, I can only imagine how tough it is to recruit at a place like Houston when you have – a&M up the road, you know, University of Texas, not further up the road and then Baylor and TCU. I mean, it's just it's just kind of here uh, when you want it to be more. Um, but I think looking at it, even from a basketball perspective, I mean, my gosh, every every one of those teams has had tremendous March Madness success. Um, Cincinnati going back to the Bob Huggins days, sure. University of Houston being a high seed in the tournament, um, you know, BYU winning uh, 30 games less than two years ago on the hardwood. I mean, it's, it's really, really going to be interesting. I think a team, you know, until they prove otherwise, I think Cincinnati uh, will more than likely come into the Big 12 and wreck a little bit of havoc. I think what they have going there, um, you know, what look, what Luke Fickle has built um, and, and will continue to do, uh, I mean, it's, it's really impressive. Uh, BYU I'm not as familiar with. I think the last time I've genuinely watched a BYU game was uh, when Taysom Hill would run all over Texas. Uh, in the early 2010, 2011 years, um, they made that guy look like Steve Young. Um, and uh, he was, quite frankly. I think UCF um, has been there as well. Um, you know, they've lost some pieces over the years. But I would look for Cincinnati to kind of come out of the gates running. Um, they play Arkansas this year in a non-conference matchup. My eyes are for sure going to be on that. Um, that'll be uh, something that Hog fans, I, I don't think, want to hear. Um, but that that is a very sneaky, sneaky non-con game uh, that if I was an Arkansas fan, I would be a little concerned about. Uh, but I mean, I think it'll be great for the conference. Yes, it's not what we're accustomed to. Um, you know, you and I are accustomed to the Missouri, A&M, Nebraska, Colorado. I love those days. I miss those days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think, you know, fans will settle into this and it'll be it'll be normal for you know, West Virginia to, to hit the road and, and go to Provo, Utah and play the Cougars, um, you know, like every conference at first it's going to look a little weird um like a&m joining the sec years ago it it was a little weird at first but now it's it's second nature and everybody knows a&m to be an sec team so yeah i think cincinnati uh until proven otherwise man they they have a really good thing going and uh i think uh they'll they'll be the they'll be the top dog uh maybe out of that group of four that is coming in Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how recruiting gets affected once they join a power five entity and yeah the early early returns on on those season all right well a couple other questions and we'll get you out of here first uh you know as we as we start to transition to you know projecting forward um you know you've you've 
talked about Texas, about Oklahoma State, what you kind of think their records will be in 2022. Who do you have playing for the Big 12 championship game at the end of this season? Oof, I, I think that's tough. I, I think uh, right now the two coaches that are not getting any love, um, and quite frankly, I, I don't think they would have it any other way, uh, would be Dave Aranda and Mike Gundy. I mean, truly, I think Dave Aranda brought Baylor from two wins uh, to two years ago to a Big 12 championship and a Sugar Bowl yeah. win uh, in less than you know 16 months. Um, and he has a chance to build on that in 2022. I think you know Blake Shapin was a 72% passer with, you know, a, a pretty mangled offensive line um, and limited weapons. And um, they did not really lose anybody. Uh, and they're, they're a tough, tough football team. I think they took it to Ole Miss uh, last year um, in the Sugar Bowl. I know Ole Miss was banged up a little bit, but um, they, they're, they're right on the cusp. I mean, yeah. really, if everything goes right for Texas, it's hard to not say the Longhorns, but you know, when have things gone right <laughs> for Texas uh, in, in recent times? Um, and I know that might, that might hurt some to hear, um, but talent wise, I think they can. Um, but yeah. if, if, if any, if tradition shows us anything, uh, I don't know if the Longhorns will be there. I think it's, it's hard to bet against Oklahoma because they've been there so many times. Um, but my gut just tells me, you know, with, with Brent Venables coming in and a very inexperienced offense, uh, losing some key pieces on the defense, it, it's going to be hard for me to pick Oklahoma as well. I think this is first and foremost, the, the most wide open the big 12 has been um, in, in probably 10 years. Um, I, I think my gut is leaning towards Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, maybe Oklahoma Baylor. Um, with, you know, an honorable mention of Texas if everything goes right. I, I think yeah. Baylor is is really, really scary uh, with, with what they have coming back. I think they have 10 of 11 back on offense and 9 of 11 back on defense, and that was a Sugar Bowl winning team. So I think my Big 12 champ might be the Baylor Bears. Um, might be might be a good Vegas pick for those that, that aren't too high on the Baylor Bears, but uh, they, they're really impressive, um, and from seeing them, uh, really week in and week out last year, just a tough nosed football team that Coach Aranda's built um, with a really good culture. So yeah. any of those four, OU, Texas, OSU, Baylor, I mean, you know, pick a pick a straw. I, I think any of those can take it home. My gut is telling me Baylor. Um, my heart wants to take Oklahoma State. Obviously, we've been so close. Um, but uh, until uh, until Dave Aranda's squad falls off, I think the Big 12 crown is, is really theirs. And not a lot of people, not a lot of national guys would tell you that. Uh, but like I said, I, I don't think Dave Aranda would have it any other way. I, lo I think he loves the role that he plays of just kind of just doing his own thing. And uh, they're just going to keep winning ball games, and everybody's going to keep watching them. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you there. You know, we'll get to our, our season preview episodes here in the month of July coming up very shortly. But um, yeah, spoiler alert, I think Baylor is poised to repeat. I, it would not shock me if it's – Baylor, Oklahoma State 2.0. It, it'll depend on what that defense looks like, but I don't believe in the Sooners this year. Maybe that's just, you know, uh, maybe that's an uneducated opinion, but I, I haven't seen enough in the cards to really feel super confident about that. And then, I mean, you're, you're right. I, now, when we talk, you know, peeling the curtain back, I'm always higher on the Longhorns from like a projection standpoint than you are. Absolutely. Um, being, you know, maybe that's some scar tissue. Uh, you know, I think last year before the season, I, I either, you know, picked Texas to go nine and three or, or 10 and two, and I could not have been further from the truth. So 
you know, watching Texas get beat by Arkansas in the way that they did. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, not, not a Longhorn grad, the farthest from it. Um, but I was shocked to see that. So yeah, it would not surprise me in the slightest if Texas finds a way to go 10 and two, 11 and one, um, and, and make it to that big 12 championship game. But uh, I love what you're saying. Spot on Dave Miranda's team feels different. It feels like this is a underdog us against the rest of the world type program. And to go from two wins to, you know, as far up the college football ladder as they've ever been in one season was incredible. So uh, I, I love me uh, a little bit of Dave Aranda there. Um, last thing here, and, and we'll get you out of here. What is your, when we come to February of 2023, what do you think the, the, the big storyline is for for this college football season. It could be a national championship. It can be a program breaking out. It can be a program failing to meet expectations. What do you kind of project forward as like, hey, this is college football 2022? I, w- I would say my, my gut is telling me that Nick Saban wins his 100th national championship and rides <laughs> off into the sunset and we're finally – done uh you know facing the gauntlet that is Alabama um but you know I I think that that man may never leave honestly um I I think a a potential story could be Texas and Oklahoma immediately joining the SEC um for for the following season uh we've heard some rumblings about that we've heard some contractual agreements that say they can't um but with with those two schools that that have a significant amount of revenue a significant amount of endowment um, it would not surprise me if that that grabs all headlines. It's, it's official. Texas and Oklahoma are making the move, um, and that might overshadow whoever you know comes away with the national championship trophy. I think you know Nick Saban's uh, always going to grab headlines, especially with how vaunted his Alabama team is. Um, but I, I would not be shocked um, if this is the final year in the Big Twelve for Oklahoma and Texas. Um, I know. You know, the, those headlines would, would gravitate towards those two schools, especially as they move into a, an arguably, uh, I think it is significantly better than the Big 12. Uh, Big 12 homers will will argue until they're blue in the face that it is not. Um, but facts are facts, and the SEC is the big dog of college football. Um, I think that uh, th- those two schools, they move the needle, uh, whether you want to admit it or not. Um, and yeah. I think do not be shocked if those two, uh, if, if they, they ride off into the sunset with uh, – you know, Texas is one last trip to Ames this year or Oklahoma's, you know, one last trip to Manhattan. I don't think that's going to be happening for too much longer. Uh, and this year could be the final time. Sure. Uh, I love that. Uh, it will be fascinating to see, you know, with a new commissioner in town, what the Big 12 does there. If Oklahoma, you know, as, as it's reported, can pony up the, the buyout money to, to go ahead and move into the SEC. Uh, a lot to be a lot to be seen there. Austin, hey, man, thank you so much for spending part of the time with us. We will absolutely do this again very, very soon, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Mitch. Appreciate it.